Within printed page rests fates unseen, doused in ink and laid between. Shadows lurk within your findings to other realms and beyond the binding. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bindings. I'm Max Lopez. Uh, at this point, I think we're at maybe episode 17 or 18. I'm not sure. I took that that uh, that hiatus for a while. I'm coming back with, I guess you could call it season two. I believe this would be episode four. I'm kind of stockpiling all the episodes the best I can, so that I can kind of be ahead of the game and and read a little bit more leisurely, and even read some things that I don't plan on making an episode out of. I mean, I haven't decided that yet. It's kind of more based around if I get, if I finish a book and don't really have that much to say, I guess maybe I'll just make, I make kind of shorter episodes, but if I have a lot to say, I'll kind of ramble on maybe a little too much. Hopefully not. Hopefully you enjoy it. But regardless of that, we should be pretty well into the new year now. I believe the first episode back with Gwendy's Button Box came out on a couple days after Christmas in 2021, so... We should be a few weeks into 2022 now, so I'm not. I'm still in 2021 right now, so you guys are listening to me in the future. Ooh, kind of cool, kind of crazy, but which ironically is perfect for the book that I read uh, this week, and it is called How to Stop Time, and it's another book by Matt Haig. I covered Matt Haig last week with the Dead Fathers Club. I love that book. Very interesting, very uh, interesting written in that kind of journal format in the first person. This story, How to Stop Time, was also written in the first person. Now, I was kind of thinking about, uh, I had mentioned last episode that it wasn't like, I, I mean, I always have things I want to read. It's just whether or not I have, the things I want to read are doable on the podcast. Like I had talked about Dune and how I kind of feel like, I, I don't know if I really have the knowledge of Dune to cover it book by book and really do the justice that it deserves. So I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to cover it in threes. I'm still kind of trekking my way through that third book. They're kind of tedious. Not kind of. They're very tedious. But I enjoy it. But I like to read other things in between. I talked about going to the library for inspiration and just kind of ran across Matt Haig. Really enjoyed The Dead Fathers Club. I had checked out this book as well. And after The Dead Fathers Club, I was kind of you know, I, I like when I find a new author, and I was, and that doesn't happen all the time. And it's not because my mind isn't open to them; it's just because all of the other authors I love still have so much material that I've read or want, or I so I want to Matt reread I love, or I want to read for the first time. This book again is written you know, in the first person. There's just a lot of time. It's told ironically not by an 11 year old boy, instead by I believe he was 439 year old man. So this book is basically revolves around this character named Tom Hatch who was originally born in France in the late 1500s and he has a rare I, I don't know it's I guess a condition it's not really a disease where he's his lifespan is just incredibly long and so they broke it down he breaks it down in the story that for every 15 years of normal human ages he only ages one year and so, basically, the story was written in 2017, but he's in modern times. They refer to all the social medias, everything that we have now. Obviously not the 2021 20, stuff, but they have uh, 
he has all the modern technology, which is kind of interesting to see that aspect of this person who's lived through hundreds of years, and now he is kind of, he doesn't really have to cope with the, with the new technology. I'll get to that a little bit later. So essentially he is living this incredibly long life and going through some of these major things that I've thought about while thinking about, uh, or thought about while kind of pondering extended lives, like, uh, like, you know, the vampire lifestyle or like any, any, any fantasy character or fantasy creature that lives for a really long time. And so, I mean, I, I guess obviously the one thing you think about is your loved ones, whether it's your significant other or your kids or your mom and dad, that you're going to have to, I mean, a lot of us are going to have to watch these people, you know, leave us eventually no matter what. But if you're going to live, if they're only going to live a regular, you know, 60 to 80, 90 year old life, and you're going to live 500 plus, 600 plus years, you would imagine that you're going to probably, they're probably going to have multiple families. They're going to have to watch multiple loved ones die. They're going to have to watch kids, their kid children die. And it's kind of sad. It's, I mean, it's beyond kind of sad. It's, it's, I guess like the, uh, the crux in that, in that aspect, that fantasy aspect is that like living an extended life it doesn't seem all that that glorified you know it's almost interesting because so so many people just in regular non-fantasy world just in our regular reality are obsessed with like n like not dying I, and i don't think that's everyone but i think that some people want to live as long as they possibly can but i think that eventually i think that's a young person's mindset i i don't necessarily feel like that i i've never really felt like that but i think that's a younger person's mindset that you don't really understand that like eventually your time here obviously eventually your time here comes to an end but eventually it comes to an end and you're ready for it i think and and i can't generalize and say that's everybody because i don't think that everybody is ready for it even if they die at age 90 age 100 i don't think that every i don't think you could generalize that statement say that every single person is ready to die at that point but i think that it's more about acceptance it's not really whether or not you're ready or whether or not you're afraid it's whether or not you can accept the finite amount of life that you're given here on this planet so or in in this universe or however you want to refer to it but so tom hazard goes through this whole life and you get to go like it flashes from modern day london where he's a history teacher to going back so it's kind of telling these stories um in tandem with each other which I, i've always loved that kind of storytelling and you know it's almost kind of like the uh the hundred year old man book that I read several months ago where like he kind of Tom had he kind of like finagled his way into like some very famous people's lives like at, at a point he knows F. Scott Fitzgerald who wrote The Great Gatsby he um he has a relationship with uh, what he's working for Shakespeare at one point at the Globe Theater in London it's just all like all those kind of ironic situations that just come about and happenstance and they like affect his later life and everything like that so Essentially, Tom eventually is discovered by different people, like people think his mother's a witch, you know, in the late 1500s, early 1600s, um, they face a bunch of crap for that, which is very interesting and, and kind of like brought in like the reality of people never being able to accept something like this, like that it's always going to be 
um, either abused by like science and they're going to try and figure out a way that they can use it to their benefit, which isn't always a bad thing, I guess. I guess it's more the way that they handle getting those things. And people who just can't accept it, like especially during the witch, witch hunt era, era of our world, which fascinating stuff. I don't know anything about witch hunts. Like, I mean, I don't want to say I don't know anything about it. But such an intriguing part of, of, of human history that, like, they just did terrible things to, to women for the smallest, the smallest little thing. Like, in this, it's because Tom's not aging and his mom is obviously aging. And so they don't blame Tom because he's a man. Instead, they blame his mother. And it's just, it's just a whole thing. And... I would like to actually learn more about, like, the witch trials. Because, I mean, obviously we think of it as, like, the Salem witch trials. But, there, I mean, there's witch trials all around the world. And, I mean, I live in Illinois where my wife went to school uh, for college when we were younger in Whitewater, Wisconsin. There was witch trials there, which I found fascinating. I never, I should have jumped in and learned some stuff when we were actually spending a lot of time there. But it's something I'd like to go back to. But so um, Tom eventually finds out that he's not the only person with this condition. He has a daughter at one point, and she ends up with the condition as well. And then he finds out that there is a man named Hendrick who actually runs a society called the Albatross Society that seeks to protect these people. So when Hendrick finds out about that there's potentially a new person with this condition, he tries to take them in. And he uh, doesn't try. He takes him in, and it's basically you either join or he kills you. That's essentially what it becomes. And so he's seeking just to protect people from the world. But I think you kind of get this view that he's really just trying to protect himself. He is like, I believe he's like in his 900s throughout the story. But like I had said, Tom was born in the late 1500s. I guess the, the condition really doesn't take a hold. Like it doesn't stop your aging until you've gone through puberty. And so he's in his 500s where, so, so, um, what's his name? Hendrick is about 400 years older than, than Tom, which, I mean, it's so interesting to think about, like, it's not just, I mean, it, I mean, this is a silly thing to say, actually, never mind. I was thinking like, I was going to say like, you know, he's going through these really important periods of human history when it's like he could have been born whenever and it's all going to be really important periods of human history. I mean, we're talking about going from times where, you know, people all around the world were legally owning slaves and up until now where we're on this, you know, really fighting against um, oppression uh, for racism, for sexism against women, for all these kind of things. And to be able to view that, and Tom, luckily, he doesn't like, you know, he's not racist, he's not sexist, any of those things in the story. Um, but it, it, and that didn't even really play a role. I think that if I would have had a hand in writing this, I would have tried to show like that perspective that it would be very interesting for this kind of like fall in the middle person to have to view not just like the technology, but like how people are changing and, and in some aspects for the better in some aspects we're staying the same when we need to change for the better and some aspects we're changing for the worse. And that's kind of what was interesting about when he was bringing in the social media and, him going on Facebook, and I was thinking, 
you know, it's not like that, like, oh, where a time traveler comes from the 1700s and comes to 2021 and is completely surprised with technology. Tom isn't surprised with any technology because Tom grew and aged along with everything. So it's just that he knows everything we know, except he actually lived through everything. And which is a very, very cool part of why he's a history teacher in the story, because they like reference that his kids like are really into his class and that he brings history alive. And it's obviously alluded to by Tom that like, well, it's because I live through history and I, I am a part of it. But then they also hash on the, on the point of, well, we're all a part of history and it doesn't matter that I'm 539 years old. You're 25 years old and what you've gone through right now is still a part of history, whether you recognize it for that or not. We are all a part of history. And I think that was pretty much the main theme that Matt Haig was going for here was that we are all essentially a part of this, a, a part of humanity, obviously, but we're all a part of this growing history of humanity. And some of us choose to look back at history and learn from it. It's kind of like that um, when I was taking history classes in college, the professors would always kind of make the point of, if we don't understand our history, we're going to, you know, we're bound to repeat it. I know that's kind of like a cliche, but it's so true. And that is a big part of what Tom's trying to get across in the story is that you can kind of seek to at least understand the grand scope of our world to try and better yourself and to try and better what you can project out into humanity and the rest of your life as you continue to create history whether or not you choose to actively do it in society or just try and be a good person yourself and you know not cause any ripples in other people's creation of their own history. But being able to look back at it is something that I don't think everybody does. And, and I don't like to criticize people for not doing it because it, it's one of those things that if you're not doing it, you're not actively not doing it. You're just not thinking about it. And, and sometimes it could take uh, a conversation with somebody else. Sometimes it could take reading a story like this. Sometimes it could take listening to a podcast on a story you're never going to read, you know? So it's really important for us to reflect on human history, to reflect on our own personal history, to reflect on the history of the people we love, the people we don't love, the people that we're interested in, the, the people we look up to, because they can teach you so much about what you want to project to the world and how you want to be even in that selfish way like how you want to grow how you want to become what you recognize as a better person even though you know i i love that statement of like i'm going to become a better person it's like you know most of us most of us literally most of us are are good people and like it, it, I don't I don't know if you can necessarily become better right i i think that you can change and seek to uh, continue to grow, but I, I don't I I hesitate to call something like that better because I think that we're all, as long as you're pro projecting that positivity, being a good member of society, caring for people, caring for the people you love, but also caring for the people you don't love, caring for the people that are just passers-by on the street, thinking about them even, is important, you know, and not in that negative way like, oh, this guy did whatever to me in the car, he cut me off or this or that. And, you know, people decide to use foul language and get angry for no reason. Just, and, and it, it doesn't do anything except for frustrate you. So I, I think that's really important to, to think about 
everybody and not just the people who play a role in your life. So, I, I mean, this book was really good. It, and it was quick, and it, it's kind of one of those stories that... And I've been trying to do throughout the entire podcast these more approachable stories that are written by people that I think that anybody could really, anybody could relate to it. And I think that this is one of them. I think that the character is somebody that you can kind of, um, you can kind of see yourself as. You can kind of put yourself in the shoes of like, what if I had this condition? And I, and it's not, I got to live for that long. It's I had to live for that long. And I mean, I, I think that it's difficult and I think that, um, it would, it like Tom, he does a really good job presenting Tom as this, like, he's not like, he's almost just kind of an average guy. Like, I mean, the most, the most, um, unaverage thing about him is that like, he's a, he's a musician and over the course of his life, music had changed so much. Like he had learned originally how to play the lute. Well, a few hundred years from then, the lute wasn't a popular instrument anymore. So there became the evolution of music, which was involved in here, which I was, as a musician myself, I was able to relate to and found that very cool. And even uh, Tom has this moment with a piano at one point that ends up playing a really big role in the story. But it uh, it, it kind of hashes on that uh, that whole point of like the encapsulation of time with music. So it was like... He's stuck having to live this extensive life, but he could always live within this encapsulation of time with it, which is music, which I, I've always found that part of music to be like the most, um, you know, kind of metaphysical aspect of music just in general, like just the idea of capturing time in moments and sometimes you're able to relive them and sometimes you're not. Would I recommend this book? Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I don't, I think that this is one of those stories that is for any adult. It's, I mean, whether you're a fantasy fan, sci-fi fan, realistic fiction, doesn't matter. Like this, this was a really cool story and it, it was, you know, a shorter book, 300, 325 pages, something like that. Not a very long read and just relevant, just relevant to human nature and just human history. And I think that that is what I found so intriguing about it and something that I'll, I mean, I know I recommend every book and you're probably like, if you've listened to all of my episodes, you probably are like, well, you recommend every book, Max. So of course you're going to recommend this one. I would say this, this one was really good. This one was something that I'm not even just recommending because I liked it. I'm recommending because I think that anybody would really like this story. I think it's written in a great way. The first person is told very well. It's not choppy. Uh, very different from the last Matt Haig book, the uh, the Dead Fathers Club, because it's not written by or it's not you know meant to be read as if it's read by an eleven year old. I was kind of thinking because this would be a really cool story to be turned into a movie, and I don't feel that way about everything. Even some of my favorite books of all time, I just and I think a part of the reason I don't want them turned into movies is because I just don't want them tarnished. But this would be a cool one because it's not very long. There's parts that they could take out. There's parts that they could leave in that, you know, it wouldn't like, I think that they could really find a nice medium with this book into a movie. And it, I don't even think it need to be, a, a, a you know, a, a two part movie. I think they could do it in two hours and 20 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes. And I was kind of thinking main character, this might be a little cliche because he's so popular right now. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Tom Hazard. I think he would do such a great role because he he would do such a great job in the role because 
I think he could do that modern person and he could also do that 1600s person really well. And the book takes place mainly in London, although he is technically from France. But I, I kind of always just put a London accent on him, I guess. I think because most of the story takes place there, whether it was in the past or in the current day. So I think Benedict Cumberbatch would be really, really awesome in this role. Now, moving forward, I... Uh, I I love Neil Gaiman, so I have some plans to read a couple Neil Gaiman books. I know I've talked about getting some people on here. I do have some plans to get a few guests on here in the future. Brian's going to come on in the next couple of episodes. I haven't decided yet. We're either going to go back to George Orwell and do Animal Farm, or we're going to continue like the AP Lit thing with 1984 and do A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. We're going to do both of them eventually regardless, but... I I, uh, I haven't decided which one I want to do first. I have had this really cool copy of Animal Farm for the last couple of months. It was illustrated by Ralph Steadman, the guy who did all of Hunter S. Thompson's illustrations in like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and things like that. Very famous style of art that Ralph Steadman kind of created. So I kind of want to read that, but I, I'm open to both, and we're going to do both eventually anyway. But right now, uh, the, just this morning actually, I started... Neil Gaiman's North, Norse mythology, and I know I knew his knowledge of just ancient mythology, just in general, not even just Norse mythology, was pretty extensive. Um, and I was thinking this was more going to be written like almost like a history book, but it's not. It's written in in like story form, so it's pretty cool. It's almost just him retelling all these North North myths. That's kind of a tough thing to say. I got to get that down before the next episode. And uh, that's kind of projecting into the future. That's what we're going to be covering. I'm excited. I think that uh, that there's some good stuff on the horizons. I have quite a backlog of episodes at this point, so we should. I should be pretty good to be... I, I, I don't want to take a break this year. Last year I took a break. I don't want to take a break this year. I guess that's kind of my goal for 2022 is not to take a break from the podcast. But if it happens, it happens. No big deal. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff coming up. So like always, please... Uh, follow me on Instagram at Beyond the Bindings and uh, pass this on to anybody who would mean a lot just to get new listeners is just fantastic. I love when people text me or send me messages on Instagram uh, talking about specific episodes. It's, you know, it's very welcoming to me. And I also like any book suggestions, anything you would want me to read, I'll read it. I'll literally read anything you suggest just to, you know, spice up the spice up the podcast here. So I'm Max Lopez, as always, and this is Beyond the Bindings.